Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I would like to thank my contributors to the show. Without them, none of this would be possible. Uh, my executive producer is Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger. My senior editor, Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me. Binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in contributing to this show, uh, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find a bunch of different information on ways to contribute. You can donate money to help contribute to the cost of this podcast. You can donate time. Um, or you can simply promote it by posting it on your Facebook page or Twitter. And with that out of the way, I will announce our guest for today. Without any further ado, we have Ron Moorhead. Thanks for coming on, Ron. Well, thank you, Gary. Good to be here. And by the way, Ron is the author of Quantum Bigfoot. And what's the other one? Sounds of Bigfoot? Uh, Voices in the Wilderness. Voices in the Wilderness. My Chronicle, yeah. And, um... Yeah, so I guess maybe it's been a while since you've been on, so uh, maybe we can give a real little recap about um, you know your Bigfoot encounter and the recordings and um, and when it got all this started with you. Sure. Yeah, I was it began for me in nineteen seventy one. I was acquainted with a small group of hunters from my hometown in California, and a couple of the guys had been up there to the hunting camp which is about eight miles in the wilderness of the Sierra Nevada mountains and had uh, something come into camp and uh, got kind of concerned because there wasn't a bear and there are avid hunters. And uh, anyway, they came out and told the other uh, three guys about the incident and uh, they all went back out to see what was going on. And uh, it went on again. It's rowdy sounds from these creatures we call Bigfoot because they had a big foot. And, uh, one of the guys got frightened off. He wouldn't go back. He, he shot out of there the next morning and left a note for the other guys to see. And he came down out of the mountains where guys didn't return when they were supposed to. And uh, the wives were worried. So uh, they wanted him to go back up and see if the guys were okay. Because at that time, nobody knew what they were dealing with. They didn't, they weren't acquainted with Bigfoot. Uh, they were looking for Bigfoot. It's a hunting camp. Mm-hmm. So uh, he asked if I'd go back with him because he didn't want to go back by himself. Just really. It freaked him out, and uh, so I did, and that's how I got involved. I went up there and seen my uh, first track there by the by the shelter that uh, they had visited the night before. The guys were okay, and uh, so we all got out. But I started going back up with them and uh, became part of the group. That was in 1971. Then it was 1972. Well, the winter of 1971-72, we uh, uh, Warren Johnson, the leader of our group, he. He wrote a letter to uh, Ivan Sanderson, a uh, cryptozoologist who now passed away, but he was back east there somewhere. And he thought it was probably just somebody pulling his leg because nobody has repeated encounters like this, like we were reporting. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he wrote a letter to Peter Byrne, who was out in Oregon at the time, but Al had a big research set up there. And uh, Peter read the letter. He also thought it was probably a hoax because, you know, it just don't happen. And uh, he got a hold of a person he knew, Alan Berry, down in Redding, California. Uh, he was a lot closer. Uh, he came down and, and uh, interviewed us, also thinking it was a hoax, but he didn't. we didn't know any of this at the time. We didn't know they all figured it was, wasn't legitimate. And uh, so we invited him up, and he went up in 1972, ended up encountering the situation too, and recording some, uh, some sounds like we had been recording. And he fostered the study finally uh, at the University of Wyoming that uh, got a year long uh, study on one a professor or someplace just to tell if it was real or not, if the tapes were real, or because he couldn't find any evidence of a hoax. Plus, it's pretty imposing to try to get there so I could get up there and do what was going on without uh, leaving any signs other than their tracks and leaving their voices. And, and uh, eventually, we got occasional glimpses of them, but that's all Alberry never did. But anyway, he wrote a book on it. <clears throat> he, he solicited the fossil uh, studies at University of Wyoming, which showed that the sounds had not been uh, manipulated. Uh, anyway, they weren't slowed down, they weren't speeded up, they, they were inside and outside, below and above the human range, average human range. And that was uh, very unique because he's a professor, professor of electrical engineering. They found no 60 cycle hum in the tapes, which would have uh, been a, a ringer for uh, hoaxing because it would have been pre recording in the studio right. and then re recording. So that was a big deal, but not big enough for, for mainstream science. So. Uh, it wasn't until 2008 till a cryptolinguist named Scott Nelson heard the sounds by accident. And he came all the way out from Missouri, a retired cryptolinguist from the Navy, trained uh, by the Navy to be a cryptolinguist, which I didn't know a guy like that existed. But he, uh, he heard the sounds and thought he heard language within the sounds, but he wanted to study them too. So he came out, interviewed me in Alberry, and, and, uh, and went back. Uh, we gave him copies of the original. He went back and and uh, studied them and said these things have a language by the human definition of language. But this guy is a two-time graduate of the Foreign Language Institute of Monterey. Mm. And, uh, he, uh, he was trained to find deceptive things in, in languages and just determine what language to do. And language is, is very unique. You know, to, to have language uh, means you, you have a human component to you. That's what uh, these things are all the human range. So that leaves us with a puzzle, you know, is there, is there something human about these things? Because uh, uh, according to Dr. Lieberman at Brown University, it's only humans have the vocal mechanism for language. And when I say language, I mean like a morphine stream of words which make up a cognizant sentence like mm -hmm. we're talking now. No other animal on the face of this planet is supposed to have that. These things have that. It's not just that, but it's very uh, complex, very rapid, and it's uh, very unique, and I, most of your audience have probably heard these before, but uh, they're pretty well known now, the Sierra sounds. And uh, we didn't know at the time just how significant these things were. We thought we were looking at probably some un unidentified ape in the woods of North America. We didn't know. So um, anyway, uh, until you know, the last few years, I didn't, uh, I didn't, well, I didn't realize just how significant all this had become. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of unique. And uh, so there's kind of an overlay of how it began for me and what's been going on. And I've written a couple of books about it and 
just a couple of CDs for the sounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, has anybody tried to um, decipher the recordings to figure out what they're saying or kind of come up with a context or a syntax for the language? I probably had uh, at least a half a dozen people want to do that or say they've done it and they know what they're saying, but they'll say something different. So you really don't know, <laughs> you don't know who to believe or what to believe. Uh, so uh, until they can tell me the context like it was, because uh, I was there, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. You know, I, and the sounds that they're interpreting need to correspond with the context that, that we were in. But uh, as far as I know, you know, we can't get a, a credible academia to to look at this and uh, to do just what you asked for. We got the cryptolinguist saying they have a language, but he doesn't know what they're saying. He just knows it is a language. Right. by the human definition of language. So in answer to your question, no, uh, we haven't had, like I say, a professional. I mean, that's what you need is a professional person that, that could really do something like that. Mm-hmm. But they would have to get with Scott Nelson probably just to see, because uh, he wrote out actually uh, the sounds he sang for making. And, and uh, it's pretty unique. What he did was significant. Yeah, and, uh, we've had sound sound uh, experts listen to it before, but uh, they don't know what they're saying. They just know that they're not fake. They can't mm-hmm. be fake because a human can't fake these things. And you got a guy like Joe Rogan who says he can make the sounds. Well, he's full of it. You know, he can't do it. Uh, nobody can do it. He might be able to find one or two sounds in there he can make. Yeah, sure, because right. they are inside the human range. Some of them. Mm-hmm. But you well, can't step on it, you know, because there's two of arguing a lot of times. There's us in intermingling with them sometimes with vocalization. Mm-hmm. So, in his recordings, um, has any um, infrasound been detected? Well, you know, we weren't recording any infrasound, so we didn't think about that. We didn't mm-hmm. think about a lot of things back in the 70s when these things were coming real yeah. close. Uh, but we just didn't, and we didn't have the equipment. Uh, we did nothing about infrasound then, or we knew ultrasounds for dogs, but we mm-hmm. think we think probably they they uh, have the ability to communicate in infrasound and to use infrasound. A lot of big animals do. That definitely affects humans, and we were being affected up there occasionally by by different uh, unique, un, unusual phenomena. And uh, yeah. I mentioned that to a scientist, and he he thought it was not fear that we talked about. I said, no, this wasn't fear. <laughs> we weren't afraid at this time. Because we realized these things weren't having us for dinner, and we we thought, well, there's a friendship going on maybe here or something. And uh, he said, well, it might be infrasound, or he says they may have been affecting you with uh, pheromones. Because mm-hmm. we we was walking out to where we thought one was, and we thought, sure as the world, we'd see it run off because it's probably moving at night and 8,400 feet in elevation. You can almost read a newspaper up there, you know. Uh, nothing ran off, and we both got stopped. Warren Johnson and myself, we couldn't move. It's like you got paralyzed, and that's uh, that's really weird. And it happened to me once again in the forest when I was up there walking along by myself. Yeah. Thinking about Bigfoot, just all of a sudden, yeah, I got froze. And I've heard this from several other people since then, you know, this has happened to them. So they have a unique ability to do things like that. And, you don't know quite how they're doing it. I think it's all through frequency, though. And a lot of things they're doing is through frequency. And according to uh, Tesla, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. And uh, that's, that's physics. Mm-hmm. And if we are all energy at the most minute level, well, uh, if you can 
somehow reach the frequency of what you're trying to deal with, you can change the matter to it. That sounds a little far out there, but that's the way physics is. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it, it just goes on from here because what Al Berry taught me, because he had a master's degree in science, the investigative reporter we took up there, he was looking for a host too. He said to stay with science up here. Don't, when you talk to people about this, don't mention the weird stuff that's going on because you'll get invited to talk anywhere. <laughs> he was, he was an accurate, he, he knew what they would say. So we didn't for a long time, but I do now because there's so many people reporting this crazy stuff that goes on around these things. And the big thing is why I haven't worked on the body, why haven't, you know, all kinds of questions going on. And I think I get into those answers in my, in my new book, The Quantum Bigfoot. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite theories in there is, has to do with uh, like them becoming like in like going going in and out of trees. Uh -huh. That's uh, Native American lore, also mythology, mm -hmm. uh, which I've had also people tell me they saw them come out of a tree and saw them go into a tree, and these are some of them are very credible sounding people, and uh, you. Uh, you wonder sometimes if they if they somehow through vibration can change their matter into energy if they can if it can energize in a tree or go into a tree and sometimes those big pops that they call wood knocks mm -hmm. i've wondered sometimes if, if it's just a big single knock if that's really uh them hitting on a tree like everybody says uh, or if it's the energy of them coming out of a tree that sounds very weird I mean, people are putting the money tunes now but uh it's it's uh, reported quite a bit Right. Uh, I talked to a guy just uh, a little over a year ago who saw one probably 15 miles, air miles from where our camp is, and he was very credible uh, sounding, and he he started telling me all this stuff about, you know, the, the big he was being stalked by, and and he'd been hunting this area for years, and he was watching a big and he also seen a UFO at the same time, but to give you an idea, he said this big stepped out behind these trees, and and uh, just walked away and I he said the thing had to be four foot wide and shoulders and huge 12 foot tall and so how big is a tree you could step behind you know this is strange <laughs> the tree's only two foot round so you gotta wonder what's going on there and why there's so many reports around people you know when they cut wood you know when they're cutting like they're cutting like, trees and the forest or sightings like that I think that disturbs them I think there's something going on with trees because trees give us our breathe, our life here. You know, trees are very important. So, mm -hmm. and we cut them down all the time, thinking nothing of it. Uh, but maybe there's something to it that we should be doing that uh, these things just pisses them off. I don't know. Right. And, and a lot of earlier sightings, though, well, not earlier, but I mean, at least more modern sightings were reported by loggers. Right. There you are. And that's when Peter Byrne, his, what he thinks was an experience is when they were leaving clerk or cutting in Oregon and he went out to the site and something was stalking around the edge of the tree where they the tree line where they were cutting. And, uh, but I don't know who's putting that together besides me as far as that could be a, a, an area that's bothering these things, is cutting trees. I had a guy down in California too approach me, a real, uh, Big guy, I'm a logger, a very quiet guy. You don't talk much, but when he talks, you want to listen. One of those kind of guys, and he said, "I know you're involved in this. So I got to tell you what happened." I said, "I was out there cutting my cutting some logs up in my on his property, and 
and he saw this guy squatting down watching him and he put his chainsaw down started walking over there and the thing stood up and walked away and, and it was a bigfoot and uh, he said uh, i seen it the head went behind the brush, just went away, and it, I went over where the brush was. The brush was seven foot tall, and I seen this thing walk away behind the brush. <laughs> so there's over seven foot tall, is what I'm saying, mm -hmm. what he is saying. But it's just a lot of reports like that around people cutting trees and these things uh, being seen. So, and in 2011, when I was up at our camp, uh, I heard this huge, what I described in my book, uh, Voice of the Wilderness. Uh, uh, I thought it was a wood knock. It's real wild soccer gunshot going off. It was so loud right outside uh, where I was at there at mm -hmm. our camp. And this was daytime. And I thought, wow, that's pretty unique right here. <clears throat> but I had a little tent set up and uh, mosquitoes were so bad. I, I'd been inside the tent when that thing happened, when that wood knock, I call it wood knock. But sometimes I wonder if it really wasn't a wood knock, if it was just. Huge. Trees up there are very, uh, very huge, very big, and uh, maybe it's, who knows? I don't know. I'm just guessing at that right there. But there's just a lot of reports about about trees and these things going together. They don't yeah. like each other. Trees. It does. It does make sense. It seems like one of the um, topics that I've been talking about recently when I've been doing Bigfoot interviews is the Bigfoot's abilities. Think they have an ability to cloak themselves, and like for example, if they match their vibration with a tree or with a rock, that might be how they cloak themselves and become unseen. Yeah, I've heard that for a long time, and a lot of researchers uh, today even write people off and say, "Oh, they're crazy if they say they saw them disappear." But when you hear too many people or several people, I've had a lot of people tell me over the years. Uh, they saw one disappear. But when you have a like a highway patrolman or a forestry worker or somebody you know very, very well tell you that, that you, you kind of wonder, there's got to be something to it. So there you are. You got to look into what science could possibly, could possibly answer those questions. Well, quantum science does. If you get into vibration, the frequency, and if we're all energy at the most minute level, if you can manipulate through vibration your matter, you know, your body, and change just the energy, just the form of energy, that would show trackways disappearing because there wouldn't be any more density once you cloaked. And uh, you would, uh, you could be anywhere you want to because you're stepping out of this third dimensional environment that we're, we're stuck with. And uh, so can they cloak? Uh, I think probably so. I'm, let me back up one minute. I don't think they're all the same. Mm -hmm. I don't think all of them have the abilities, the same abilities. And I base that on on the fact that I I say it's a fact because UFOs are here. The government's now acknowledging it. We can openly talk about it now without being called crazy. But uh, <laughs> aliens and UFOs are here, and they have been, I believe, manipulating the DNA of different species. They've oh, been, yeah. Uh, uh, doing that for eons. It's, it goes all the way back into biblical times when I call them the fallen angels, but I call them aliens. They came down and corrupted the genome of uh, the troglodytes, the species. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what uh, that's what gave us, I think, gave us our sentience is uh, something very, the very unique ultimate alien gave us our, <laughs> <laughs> gave us our uh, 
our abilities that we have and it made us the humans that we are. I think we're very fortunate to be who we are on this planet. If you got all kinds of species, I think, here, you got all kinds of different aliens are probably here or have been here. I've, I've been around the world, as you most of you know, that's kept up with me at all. Uh, when you see the stuff in Bolivia and Peru and places I've been, the advanced technology has been all over this earth doing things. Mm -hmm. and, and when you uh, see this stuff with your own eyes, you, you really kind of step back and realize you got to get out of the little bubble, this little 70-year-old bubble that we live and die in. Right. And realize the eons of time that have gone by and uh, what all has taken place in that time. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of information out there that uh, I think we've been misfed and fed different stuff. But, but when you see with your own eyes, it's, it's real. And uh, you see this megalithic structures like I've seen in Peru, mm -hmm. Bolivia, uh, and you know you can't. Our technology today could not do what what they did. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all it's all about frequency, <clears throat> and uh, just got to get into the right frequency. I think that's how mm -hmm. the uh, masters of old. I'll say there's a guy here a couple thousand years ago, and I, I hesitate to use his name. People start crossing their arms like I'm religious, but I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, like that we all are, whether we like it or not. Right. But he was here a couple thousand years ago doing miracles, and uh, I think he used the laws of quantum physics. Because he says we are able to do the same thing. Well, I tell you what, if I could learn to train, turn my water into wine, I could save a lot of money. And, <laughs> and I, I could, I have not learned how to walk on water. I get wet. <laughs> try that. But we have, I think we have those abilities. I just have the culture. We haven't been, uh, uh, we haven't been, well, we haven't learned how to evolve into what we're really made to be. I think that's our destiny here. We're supposed to do that. I think there's ways to do it, and it's through raising your own vibrational frequency, mm -hmm. and that's getting getting compassionate with things and, and understanding that uh, you know, you're not the victim of anything. You're here on this earth to experiment, experience things, and make the most out of every experience. There's no such thing as losing; you either win or you learn something. So we need to learn and progress with what we learn, and not think somebody hit us over the head with something, even though they may have. But then, what did you learn from that? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the only way to lose is to not try. <laughs> it, oh, that's true, yeah. I, I was having a conversation yesterday with my uh, monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, about vibration and how it was probably used to build like things like the Great Pyramid and all these megalithic structures and, um, and how some of that technology may have come from Atlantis and then Atlantis sunk and the Atlanteans fled and went to different parts of the world. And, the, you know, in places like, um, you know, like in South America and Mexico, Egypt, and even parts of North America, they may have been still using that technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that same technology has been seen all over the world, really. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, uh, the uniqueness of, of some of the stuff that's been done. And they're discovering more and more uh, uh, in Turkey, especially as a new city there they found, which is the oldest thing they found, which was done by advanced technology. I go Tempe, what's it called? <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Go back yeah, at yeah. Bay or something like that. I, I try to remember it every time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Me it's too. Uh, quite unique, though. And there's a lot of stuff that they're discovering all the time that just kind of 
got to make you wake up and understand there's more going on, more has gone on than what you've been told and what you have been led to understand. We are based, uh, our culture and our uh, education system is based on uh, Newtonian physics, solely on Newtonian physics. There's nothing wrong with knowing calculus, knowing what Newton discovered is a brilliant person, but but it doesn't go far enough. And that's what quantum physics is all about. Uh, Newtonian physics is based on everything being measurable, predictable, and physical material, where uh, quantum physics is uncertainty. And uh, you get into how, how the protons work, how electrons can move out, how things work. And, and you get into the vibration and all that, and you realize that's, what, that's why quantum physics was discovered. They could not answer the questions of how far it is to the universe or how how anything works uh, without a physicist or without getting into quantum physics. Max Planck, who uh, basically the father of quantum physics, he got the Nobel Prize in 1918, just 100 years ago, so for quantum physics. And uh, you got Tesla and Bohr and Schrodinger and all these guys, Einstein, they're all chiming in on it and they can't figure it out. Because you can't figure it out in your in your thinking. It's all mathematically established, but not you can't comprehend it in your consciousness mm-hmm. because we're just not made to do it. I don't think in this consciousness you have to tune into the to the other consciousness, which I think really I get into this a whole chapter of my book called the pineal gland, and I think that's a receptor inside our heads, which allows us called a third eye, by the way, allows us to see more than what our two eyes could require light to see. The pineal gland uh, doesn't require light. And uh, it's just a, an amazing little thing we got inside our head that I think connects yeah. us with the universe and other dimensions. That's what meditation is all about. We can kind of relax and get into a meditative state and try to receive something, not try to ask for something all the time, just receive. Mm-hmm. And it can happen. It's got to balance and get your heart and your brain in coherence with each other and make sure they're connected into the pineal gland. And there you go. You're off flying. Then you walk on water and change water into wine. Like <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm working on that. Oh, we all got to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest thing is knowing that you can and knowing who we are as humans, I think. Human beings are a bigger dominion on this planet, according to the alien that invented us. And, uh, you wonder why UFOs and aliens aren't coming around and shaking our hands or something right now and giving us the advanced technology. Well, I think they are. Uh, the military, I'm sure, knows about all this. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you got the reverse engineering going on with the UFOs that have crashed. And it's not just Roswell, but uh, you got the Maury Island incident up here, which one didn't crash, but let out some debris. And things happen, and things have been happening for a long time. But uh, they seem to be more prevalent now. More and more people are citing UFOs, and more and more people are reporting uh, abductions and stuff like that. And it's just uh, what's going on. There's a hybridization program going on, in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely hybridizing to get their species acclimated to this planet. <laughs> got to admit, we got the best planet in the solar system. I mean, I, I, I think that like another one of the things that they're actually doing it too is because they're always seem to show up like in, in nuclear locations. I, I think they're concerned about us wiping ourselves out. So I wonder if they're working on some kind of recolonization in case we do that. 
Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm not sure about the causation because I think they'll stop us before we actually turn the bombs loose. Uh, we're killing each other off, and that's just not what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about love and caring and, and or advancing ourselves uh, vibration-wise. Mm -hmm. And we were never going to do that if we keep killing people and stealing, robbing, and doing all the negative stuff. That needs to stop. Yeah. And it needs to stop. And I think these things, once we uh, well, once we see another couple of years go by, we're probably going to see more and more evidence of, uh, of uh, aliens and UFOs. But even the good book says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall also be in the last days. Well, here we are. What was it like in the days of Noah? Like most people know the story of Noah and the flood. Mm -hmm. Well, what was going on in the days of Noah when the aliens came down and corrupted the genome of the humans? Uh, they were advanced, they were giving advanced technology. And uh, so that's going to happen again. Like it's probably happening. It's just that I think big corporations uh, are not wanting that to happen because they, it's going to mess up everything on this earth if things aren't messed up bad enough now. You have the pandemic going on, and then I mean, out of this. And, I mean, if somebody come down offered you a thousand years of no pain you'd probably take it wouldn't you yeah definitely yeah, yeah if, if i could go for a thousand years without pain or aging then oh. i would do it well when they started operating this advanced technology that's that's supposedly like i was in the days of noah so i think we gotta gotta just think about that a little bit you know i'm not a like i i think well i'll get into what i think about scriptures and things like that but you start looking into Greek mythology and, and, and different myths that's gone on. There's a core truth to a lot of them. And, and uh, you see the uh, old man with a dog's head over in Egypt, you know, hectoglyphs and hieroglyphs. And, uh, you see those things and you wonder if there's a core truth to what this could be. Was there, was there beings being created way back then uh, through hybridization and through... Uh, uh, DNA manipulation. Uh, anyway, if I started to do the rattling on, I do that a lot. Just turn me back. Ah, no, no, I, I, I enjoy it. You know. Well, that um, is fun for me, and I get carried away with it. So. No, you don't. I, I love listening to to it. Um, <laughs> so, you mentioned like the the penal gland. What do you think shut that down? Like, why why did we stop using it? Well, uh, it's twofold. I think, first of all, our diets, we're calcifying it, and we can't, it doesn't, it's like put a with it. That's the main thing, is it's calcified. The people that uh, eat properly, and fluoride's a big culprit that will calcify your pineal gland. It's got a lot of water, and a lot of big cities have fluoride in them. Right. And I'm not sure that uh, all this stuff hasn't been designed to dumb us down and uh, uh, you got to decalcify and you do that with your diet and with meditation and just work it because uh, the pina gland is a very important gland I think it's the third eye the eye of Horus and that's what the Egyptians called it I heard wow. pineapple's good for it <laughs> it looks like pineapple <laughs> a little pineapple yeah. hmm yeah do you, do you think they put the fluoride in the water on purpose to keep people from awakening? 
I'm not sure if it's on purpose or if they just uh, think it's better. I know when I was in high school 100 years ago, uh, they told us they brush with fluoride. Whatever you do, get a toothpaste and fluoride in it because that's good for you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what they say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure. You know, I just don't know if uh, this is on design or if it's just the way our culture goes because we're, we're genetically modifying foods now. They're just a lot of things are different than what they used to be a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, ancestors were were uh, making biscuits for breakfast. Yeah. You know, the day the science uh, the day science studies non physical phenomena will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. That's a statement by Nikola Tesla, and I think we're in that stage now that we're making progress. So. Things aren't happening, and it's going to get better, I think. I think there's a big, bright future for us all. I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems more people are open to these type of ideas, and more people are experimenting with their own consciousness now than ever. That's so true, and they should. I think that's the age of enlightenment. I think that's the... You know, when they talked about the Mayan calendar in 2012, the Earth's going to end and all things are going to change. Well, I really think that's what the Mayan calendar is all about. Is that, uh, it's just another uh, stage. If I turn chapters in a book, we got another, we're getting the age of enlightenment now. And uh, I really think that's what they meant when they said that the uh, 26,000 years is up. Uh, this we're in the last, last one now. Hmm. But, uh, we're going to where they go. Did you know Galileo? Uh, he was put in prison yeah. for heresy. <laughs> for proclaiming the earth circled around the sun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, here we are talking about stuff like this. And at least we're not putting, being put in a prison. But I tell you what, if the government don't want you to know something, they're going to they're gonna make you look pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, what do you think now, like with the government sort of re- releasing some of the UFO stuff that they have been from the Pentagon? To. I think they've got to. There's just too many people reporting sin. They're going to come down and they're going to be helping us. They're going to be doing things, and uh, they've got to <clears throat> they've got to acclimate us slowly into believing that they've lied to us all these years, <laughs> and <laughs> they did, uh, and just. <clears throat> get us acclimated to not being afraid of a of a, a gray if we see one or or these uh, ten foot tall whatever they are, and I think probably that's what Bigfoot. Some of the Bigfoots are just that they're right. they're alien intervention, and some of them are probably a relic hominid been here for eons. And I think they looted themselves down by crossbreeding with uh, indigenous people, mm-hmm. and they may not have the same attributes that some of the others have. Uh, there's stuff like that. I think. It just opened up your mind. I think the possibility that once you, once you open your mind up to realizing something that's very advanced technology is here, has been here for a long time, they're just releasing it slowly to us, and uh, it's going to be an interesting time we're living in. Right. We're going to see some amazing things. I think. I think uh, the government also knows that Bigfoot is, is exists, and they hide it from people. Because they want the cloaking technology. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, 
they've got the cloaking technology, I think, but uh, maybe not in the form of vibration, but I think they've got to be working on stuff like that because everything is a vibration. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> once you get into frequencies and what different vibrations do, uh, you change matter. And uh, I love that part because uh, it explains so much that I've wondered about for so long. Do you do you think some people, um, like certain humans, put out resonate a certain frequency or vibration that may attract a Bigfoot <coughs> more than others? Yes I, yes, I do, Gary. I think so. Uh, yeah, if you don't have the right vibration, uh, they probably won't mess with you. Or if you're, if you're in a low vibration, uh, they may not be able to. Uh, and again, I'm talking, I can only talk about the ones that I've dealt with. Mm -hmm. And I've done it, I've been around them a lot, more than most people, I guess. And like uh, more than just about anybody I know. But I, I've learned more about them, I think, over these years, because years of studying them. And why we didn't see them more, why we could get a picture, why all that was when we were so close to them. The Sierra camp is a question that most people ask, and, and most people say, Well, they've been scared out of an Alabama mountain in RV by her or something like that. Well, no, you wouldn't because you can't go. There are eight miles in the wilderness, <laughs> it's dark, <laughs> you can't get out of that forest at night. So, you're not going to sit there and just hope nothing comes and eats you. And uh, you don't know what they're arguing about out there, you don't know what they're saying. You just know there's lots of real rapid chatter going on. and. Uh, uh, what they're fixing to do, you don't know. That's why one of the guys wouldn't go back. He hasn't been back. I don't think he won't spend the night up there anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a trip to get in and out one day. And you've got to be in really good shape to do that. That rapid chatter is so much different than like what um, some researchers will just say. You know, they just do like the common, uh, the common whoop sound. Yeah, I got the whoops up there too. I've recorded those. Those are my second CD. Uh, they were whooping one night. That's night I got to see one, by the way, when it was making a samurai cry. And uh, yeah, most people report just whoop or yell, and that's what they will do. And I think they do that from a distance to see your reaction sometimes. We learned in 1974 when we recorded those whoops uh, and the yells and the rock, rock copying and stuff like that. It was a uh, it wasn't the chatter at the time. It was just uh, that stuff. And we learned just to be still, keep doing what you're mm -hmm. doing, don't pay any attention to them. They come in closer. That's what happened that night. They came in closer and started chattering and uh, yelling to me, trying to say something. I have no idea what they were asking me, but I wish I didn't know because it's probably something pretty important. Mm. Uh, but I think a lot of these yells or screams too might be one just trying to call for their mate or call for a baby or you know, one of the young ones, or who knows what they're going for. But you hear, I hear more reports of that than I do the chattering. But there have been a lot of people say they've heard the chattering like I've reported. Yeah. And uh, I get I get some of those. But uh, they're far and few between. And when they do come in, nobody's reported them. They just heard it. <laughs> so it doesn't, hmm. doesn't uh, help as much. But if anybody gets a good recording of, uh, of what I call a morphing stream of words, the chattering, this is very similar to what uh, John Green wrote about in his book, uh, The Apes Among Us, uh, when he interviewed uh, Albert Osman from Toba Inlet in 1924. He supposedly got kidnapped by a Bigfoot. 
And the story was so unique and so detailed. Uh, John Green put it in his book. And uh, he said they were chattering when he was kidnapped and held captive for six days. So they were chattering amongst themselves. There was a male, a female, and two adolescents. He didn't know what he was there for, but he knew they were talking about something and they were chattering. And uh, that's just what we got up to, the chattering. Takes a bigger brain though to chatter that fast and to make sense of it. <laughs> and that's what I think happened in '74 when this one was yelling out at me and I was yelling back at it. Is uh, the cryptolinguist says that the same vocal mechanism did that from the '71, '72 sounds that we recorded in '74, but he thinks they slowed their vocalizations down to something we might be able to understand. <clears throat> that I, I'm glad I heard that because I I didn't understand it, but at least mm -hmm. I knew it was. A, the same family group that was there uh, a year before. Uh, it do, sounded do, different. Do you think some of the whooping and yells <clears throat> could be like they're using some type of sonar, like like what bats do? I don't think the whooping and yells are. I think that's just they're signaling to each other mm -hmm. uh, uh, because they're different intonations, different types of whoops. I've got those different types of whoops on my recording, but. Uh, so I think they mean something different, and it uh, depends on the rock clocking, too, and the tree knocking, which they do do that. Do do is a good word. They do do that. <laughs> yeah. they, they do that, but it means something, I think. It's it's, it's a code, and uh, it probably means something one of the other ones. And uh, I don't know what it means, but uh, <laughs> that's probably what it is. How about the um the stick the um the stick structures that they make? Mm -hmm. You know, people ask me about that a lot, and you don't say, "Well, we weren't looking for that." So there may have been some, but you know, that's not unusual that they do that because Native Americans did that to show ones that might be following behind, you know, they to which way to go, the stick structure to tell them something. So it's not uh, that's not so far out. It's just I uh, I don't. We didn't look for it, so I didn't mm -hmm. check it. Same with the hair braiding of the horses. You know, I never thought about that. I thought that horses got tangled up in a in a limb or something because uh, the hair would be all matted sometimes. Braids looking. Uh, the the tree structures. I know there's some people that's really into it a lot, but I have to question if you don't see what did it. How do you you don't know what did it? You just suspect what could have done it. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these stick structures that. Uh, fall naturally and uh, also when they find these little, uh, little structures out in the woods you know that look like somebody well that something put it together with hands with opposable thumbs well do they know it wasn't another hunter do they know how they know it was a big foot because it's that could have been some boy scouts out there or mm -hmm. survived i don't know unless you see what made it you don't know what made it you can only suspicion unless there's something else going with it, like tracks or sounds or a sighting or something. Mm -hmm. you, you put it together like that, then you can you know, have a little more evidence that that's, that was a big one, maybe. It's interesting. You know, I, I think that the strict the stick structures are probably some type of um, street sign or way of marking a trail. Mm -hmm. I agree, yeah. Um, because I mean, my, my opinion is, I, I mean, I guess there might be some Bigfoots that stay in one place, but it also seems like a lot of them seem to be migratory too. 
I think anything needs to follow the food source. So mm-hmm. uh, we, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they migrated out from where we were up there. Cause <clears throat> there's still some strange things going on up there. But uh, um, I've been up there late in the year, late in the season, when all the deer had migrated down and nothing happened with the Bigfoot either. So uh, just be not careful to get snowed in up there. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. But yeah, I think they have to follow the food source. Uh, and when they're in our dimension, our third dimension, if they are interdimensional, they are subject to our rules and our laws on this this planet. And that means you're going to get hungry, you're going to poop, you're going to procreate, you're going to do all the things that we do if you're in our dimension. It's when they step out of it, if they can do that, I got to put that in there. If they do that, mm-hmm. that's when uh, time as we perceive it doesn't exist the same way. And they can be anywhere uh, at any time. I've had them. Gosh, I had them. I didn't see what did it, but someone beat on my house. I've had things happen out of my ranch in, in uh, California where uh, very, very unusual stuff that happened up at a camp and there's no answer for it other than energy and somehow they can manipulate energy. And that's, it goes wrong with the Skinwalker Ranch too. You've heard that, I'm sure. Oh, Skinwalker yeah. Ranch, yeah. Uh, shapeshifter Skinwalker or stuff like that. Well, if they can change their form, and according to physics, I, I'm going to say this, uh, <clears throat> nothing dies. Uh, Stephen Hawkins said that. I said, also, energy cannot die. Mm-hmm. You want to change forms. So if you are a religious person, you're going to go to heaven when you change forms. <laughs> you're going to change it to something else. You know yeah. what? But they're going to be hurt cheap. I don't know. But uh, if you're a physicist, you say we need to transfer into another form into energy. And what happens after that, even Einstein wouldn't guess, but they know that's what happens according to the math of quantum physics. Hmm. What do you think came first, people or Bigfoot? <laughs> uh, you know, it's all, <laughs> who knows? I, I, I can guess a lot of this stuff, but you don't know. I mean, uh, the traumatized evolved. I don't have a problem with evolution. I have a problem with people not understanding that aliens have been here and they've probably manipulated a lot of the species that are on this earth. So if aliens uh, were here prior to, well, I don't know. I just got to leave it at that because nobody knows. Uh, Maybe someday we will when they tell us. But uh, Bigfoot has the, he's probably a relic hominid in some ways, but then some of them may not be. I'm not sure what we were dealing with if there was just what you call a Bigfoot, even though they mm-hmm. had a Bigfoot. It might have been just total alien because some of the phenomena we was experiencing up there just has no, it's like trying to nail jello to the wall. I just can't understand it, how trackways just stop. And, uh, you know, it used to be I would, you know, a lot of people still do. They throw the baby out with the bathwater on that one because <laughs> it's, it's got to be it's got to be a hoax if the, if the trackways just stop. Well, mm-hmm. I used to think that too, but you know, once you start looking into this stuff and realizing <clears throat> this can happen, there are rules that govern that. We we tend to live by the rules that we think that we've been trained to believe in, and that's just Newtonian physics solely. You can't see it; it don't exist. Well, and that's the trouble with classical science now. Doctor, they they think they have to have a body. Well, if these things are doing what I think they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or if they're able to live underground, because you know, if you look at that big, basically almost city-like structures underground over in Turkey, uh, my gosh, something 
how they do that. <laughs> something that lives underground and uh, it houses as many as 20,000 people, I think. And uh, well, I forgot the name of that, but it's, I've got it here someplace. It's just a unique uh, thing to look at and uh, understand that uh, if these things go underground, and you got uh, Somalia over there, you know where the uh, Guadalcanal is? In mm -hmm. World War II, the Japanese had counted some supposedly hairy giants. And according to the lore over there, and actually it's not lore, it's their history, they, these things live underground. And that's the Solomon Islands. And they are seen, they've had some very unique things happen over there. There's a book about that. But it's kind of a, not many people talk about that one. And I don't know why, that's pretty unique. There's actually some people there said they've crossbred with them. And if that's happened, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, get DNA out of this, or air or something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's been one of the common things that I was watching a TV show called Expedition Bigfoot. And one of the common things seems to be uh, them being around caves. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like you mentioned, Skinwalker Ranch. You know, one of my theories with Skinwalker Ranch is that there might be some kind of UFO or something buried there. And so, so maybe there are some kind of structures or UFOs or something beneath the ground that they're coming in and out of. Could be. Uh, there are portals. You know, somebody made a bunch of portals here a while back. I called them when I was, you know, NASA's been studying portals for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Longer than that, really. Portals exist. Uh, electromagnetic anomalies that there are different places around the world. And what, what is that and how does it work? You know, we don't know as common people, but uh, it may be known by our military. Uh, and something happens. I was watching a movie. You ever heard of the Philadelphia Experiment? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I won't get into that, but I got that on my head right now because I saw that. No, that's, what, that's actually one of my favorite ones is the, um, the whole Philadelphia Experiment and the Montauk Experiment. Mm. They're both really interesting. Any kind of go together. I think there's one guy who says that he was in the Montauk chair and then came out on the ship with the Philadelphia experiment. So I've always been interested by that one. Yeah, it is very interesting because it, it happened. And it's the fact that it happened. I guess some of the men were caught in, in walls. And yeah. Yeah, just Strange stuff goes on when you get into physics. <laughs> I guess this the, is one of them. Yeah, they, I think Bigfoot may be the, the smaller picture, this whole big picture. If you start putting all the dots together and trying to you know, piece it together, you can come up with a, something kind of important, I think. And mm -hmm. Bigfoot is just part of it. He's something that's here, and I think that he is. There is possibly an alien component to him. Uh, of course, there's anything component to us. I think you really, yeah. Well, I think we're hybrids, you know, but we've been given a very unique status on this planet. And I think we need to take care of the planet better. We need to take care of ourselves better and learn how to progress and how to get better ourselves. And then you do that through, like I mentioned earlier, through meditation and mm -hmm. getting your vibrational frequency higher and caring for other people. Uh, I express that a lot anymore nowadays because it's it's time we started doing that instead of just thinking about it, you know. And 
too many people walk around being the victim, watching people get their heads cut off over different countries and stuff like that. It's just a bad deal. Can't be doing that stuff anymore. Go stop it. <clears throat> stop yeah. the war. Don't want peace. <laughs> it's not that uh it's not shouldn't be that hard like for me i think about it in my head i'm like it shouldn't be that hard for people just to accept each other <laughs> yeah well it is <laughs> apparently yeah, it i don't is. understand it <laughs> well our biggest problem of being human that we have to overcome is our ego and i think that's that's a, that's a that's a big deal and uh if you just get away from your ego and don't be tethered by it, we got to have it. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to say, Oh, you were good. I like the way you sang that song or whatever you did. And, you know, it makes you feel good. But but you don't let it tether you, don't let it get a hold of you and, uh, and be restricted by it because uh, it kind of holds you back. I think ego can. I, I agree with you 100% that it's all caused by ego. I think the ego is a survival tool. But I don't think, I think for us, we let the ego become who we are rather than becoming a tool that we use. Or we forgot how to use it as a tool. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Just the ego is, a, it's, you got to have it. And we do have it. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's just don't be tethered by it. Don't be held up by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get a big head like some people do. And yeah. I know my last name. Don't bring that up. <laughs> and I agree with the, the alien uh, seating too. I recently um, done some really interesting interviews. I did interviewed um, Kathleen Martin the other day. She's the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, and um, oh yeah, and, and she has some really interesting things to say. Things that go way beyond just the. Well, I mean, they're, they're all related to the abduction experience, but they're details that are very, very, I don't know, telling. Mm-hmm. Especially um, about hybrid, about the hybrid program. Yeah, I've talked to quite a few people that have claimed alien abductions, and I know some of them personally very mm-hmm. well. Um, so what are they doing? They're checking us out. Uh, they want, they want to be what we are. I think, I think aliens, uh, envy humans because we get to experience this three-dimensional reality and get to advance ourselves they are who they are period uh i don't know if they can advance themselves or not but we can definitely advance ourselves and that's what we're here for is to learn and to experience whatever life gives us or what we've asked for i should say because according to physics you've asked for what you what you got in life yeah you've asked for it because you need the experience but it isn't the experience itself it's, it's how you respond to the experience that's important and if you respond to it with compassion love and, and understand that no matter what happens to you you got to progress from it and learn from it mm-hmm. and that's the way uh, you, you advance yourself <clears throat> wow. that's <laughs> deep it's very good here you know, Albert Einstein was once asked, what does it feel like to be the smartest man alive? You know what his answer was? What? I wouldn't know. I asked Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Tesla's my, he's my hero, I guess. Like, I think he's been forgotten with Unsung Song. But he's coming out more and more. I yeah. think they, they raided his office after he died. And 
all his inventions and stuff. Yeah, that's another thing. I get into in my book, Quantum Big Credit, about the different sleep stages of your awareness stage. Mm -hmm. We're in the, the beta state now uh, of uh, awareness. Mm -hmm. Here we're talking, we're rational, we're analyzing things, all this stuff goes on. But when you start relaxing, you get into the, uh, the alpha state. That's where you're not analyzing, you're just relaxing. Mm -hmm. You're not totally, you're not asleep yet. You, you fall into the theta state of sleep. And, and then after that is when you have lucid dreams, not after that, but during that. And after that's when you go into the, the delta state, and that's when you're in deep sleep. But Tesla came out of sleep. When he came out of sleep, he would have a lot of answers to his, to his problem because that's when your pineal gland is open uh, better than daytime when, uh, when you're analyzing things. And mm -hmm. I think that has something to do too. If you get into the Schumann resonance of uh, the Earth's frequency, it falls down to oh, between eight and somewhere on eight frequencies, eight or something like that. And our frequency, when you relax and get into that state, your frequency lowers a little bit. That could have a, a, a could have a reason. Some of these bigfoot creatures deal with some people better than they do others, or more. Yeah. Or even deal with them. Period. Is because their frequency is in the right spot, and they're able to uh, to get in there. And mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people talk about mind speak. Well, it's just telepathy, and we all have that. We just have to learn to culture it and learn how to. <clears throat> clean it up so we can do it uh, it's not unusual right uh, I, are I think we do it ourselves subconsciously because like we seem to you know it, attract like-minded people and feel kind of repelled by people that don't resonate with us absolutely yeah yeah you can be uh <clears throat> be thinking about something and all of a sudden it'll come about mm -hmm. somehow Somehow the universe knows what you're supposed to do. And uh, that's the thing, you know, just pretty much everything that's coming into your life is it's got a reason for it. And uh, yeah, I know a, a guy that's he's been a, uh, in a wheelchair for 20 years now, more, and got an accident when he was 20 years old. And you got to wonder, why is that like that? You know, why, why does he have to do that? He's got a good attitude about it, though, and that's good because he's he's helping himself because this body's only here temporary. You want to here for a few years, yeah. Long scheme of things, and it's what happens afterwards that counts. And if you got the right attitude during this life, you're gonna have a better whatever afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think. So I try to uh, live by that as much as possible. You get some old person in front of you in a car that double up on their medication or something later on the light turns green and sometimes get frustrated sitting there <laughs> but, <laughs> but i don't get frustrated anymore you know, try not to anyway just because i are one of those people now <laughs> uh, i'm heading there <laughs> well, we're all headed for something right <laughs> all headed for something you know, it takes, uh, let me say something. That, uh, I like this guy too, uh, Edgar mm -hmm. Mitchell, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's a good guy. He said it takes <laughs> classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. We mm -hmm. talked about classical science, Newtonian physics. We've got to, got to get a quantum science now. And it takes both those sciences together to have clear perception. Mm -hmm. He said that. And that was a really, I love that statement he made. And, uh, I got a PowerPoint program here. I'm just kind of thumbing through some of this stuff. So. Yeah, Edgar Mitchell is an interesting person. 
Because apparently, I think he went to Antarctica with uh, Admiral Byrd to that secret base up there, or down there. A lot of information about Antarctica that uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, like some people say that uh, Hitler actually went there. He didn't, he didn't kill himself. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. They don't know. But they, they was working on some really high-tech stuff the Germans were during the war. And... Uh, uh, like we got what 50 of their scientists once once we won the war came over here. Yeah, and that's where we're getting information. A lot we got, of our we got von Braun. Yeah, yeah, got a lot of them, and uh, he was quite a scientist. But uh, anyway, there's a lot that people uh, to me if, if a researcher's not looking into all the possibilities, you know, they're out there setting up camera traps and trying to. And then I'm not be trading camera traps somebody make a lot of money on those but <laughs> but these things can sense energy like i think they can they, they can sense the batteries and i think that's what's called our batteries are going dead times so more times than once up there uh just put it dead and no reason for it my brand new lithium battery took around with packages put in my tape recorder in 2011 that was the last time i heard the chattering mm -hmm. and uh <clears throat> i thought okay I got my tape recorder ready. It was daytime. That's when I heard the big knock outside the tent I set up. And I wasn't in the shelter. The shelter was all the trees were growing in. The shelter's not there anymore. We had to take it down, but we still go there. And uh, that's what we did in 2018 with uh, David Pilates, a filming man, to film that to pull one of missing hunters. Uh, they can sense energy. Uh, they they know when there's a truck cam there. They know it's it's like someone hanging a picture in your living room. You mm -hmm. It's not there. But it's also how you could sense us. Sense thoughts. Sense a human. You could probably pick up the energy of a human. Oh, you get the frequency. Yeah, I think that's how uh, that's how Christ did his miracles. That's how the masters are healing today. A lot of people are being healed today by these supposedly uh, healed by these things. Uh, wouldn't bother me a bit if it was coming out straight my back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my back too. <laughs> I, I did some hang gliding when I was younger, you know, before I could, when I knew I couldn't get hurt for him, but they didn't get hurt. And uh, I hit head on, built a bit far of the hang glider. I used to be a little taller than I am now. <laughs> 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 I got a helmet on. <clears throat> That's a joke. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but I did hang by that. <laughs> I hurt my back stage diving. <laughs> Not the smartest thing. <laughs> well, it's amazing how much smarter we think we get uh, as we get older. Unless you're smarter, just wiser. Different between wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, somewhat. A lot of people have a lot of knowledge, but they don't, you know, they have so much knowledge and train so much, like, you know, 20 years of college. Still don't have any wisdom to go with it. Their education level not as high as their common sense level, or the common sense level doesn't go high enough, something like that. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I often think about is how almost everything I was taught in high school has now been proven false. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the fluoride thing, you know. Right. So, so to, so to think that I know everything now, a hundred years from now or fifty years from now, is all going to be proven false. <laughs> Could be. 
talking about learning from your heart here. You, you, you know, people can tune in with their heart, their brain, and coherence. And I do that. Uh, you've heard of the chakras, I'm sure, through your yes. body. Well, mm-hmm. You can tune those chakras in, get them lined up, um, and get your heart in coherence rhythmically with your mind so you got the right vibration going on. Then your, your mind will, your heart will tell your mind what to do. And if you just don't analyze things, that's why you have what some people call it a gut feeling. You know, well, yeah. it's, it's really the heart that's giving you that. And it's got more energy than any other part of the body. And when that tells you to do something, whether right or go left, where there's a million dollars on the left or somebody stick over the right, mm-hmm. and your heart says go to the right, you need to go to the right. Forget about the money, because again, we're only here for a while. And uh, you want to do what your heart says, and that'll lead you into everything that's yeah. You're supposed to be let into. Yeah, I, just don't go right when you disobey that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, one of the things that I think is a really powerful technique is um, chakra meditation, and um, and I also like to do it with like the um, like the binaural beats, the frequency beats that resonate with each chakra. Yeah, you know, I and 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 it works. It's amazing. Well, it's good for you. That's just fact. So people should do it. And uh, yeah, I suggest they do it. I can't tell anybody what to do. Everybody has a free choice. Yes. Aliens have a free choice. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot has a free choice. We all have free choices to decide which way we want to go. And that's why we need to become one uh, with nature. We need to become, you know, that's balancing yourself. We need to become one. We want one energy. We're not separate people like we think we are. We're just walking around separate bodies. But we're, we have the one energy that is coherent through all of us. And uh, learn how to communicate with that and get with it, it's going to be a lot better off. Hmm. And that's where the telepathy comes from because you can get your mind set right and you can you can communicate through telepathy. People do that quite regularly. <clears throat> and, uh, Sometimes you get a sense that something's wrong when your kid's out too late or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, you know, you just got to pay attention to that stuff. It's important. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think maybe Bigfoots can use telepathy or remote viewing also? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if they, can, if they are what I claim they could be, <laughs> yes. They are flesh and blood when they're in our environment. And, right. Uh, they can do things like that, which we can do too. Uh, but uh, they are probably a little more evolved than we are. I, I believe that. They've, they've learned how to do some things or been given the attribute to do some things that uh, we're still trying to get our fingers on. Mm. And that's uh, I'll just, you know, telepathic abilities and uh, telekinesis, clairvoyance. You ever had a deja vu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody ever explain that to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think somebody may have. It's kind of a deja vu moment. <laughs> yeah. That means it felt like it happened before. You yep. just know just what's going to happen. You start analyzing, start thinking, and all of a sudden it goes away. It happens to me all I've the time. I've had that happen so many times. But it's because your time don't exist as we perceive it right now. We're going through linear time. And uh, time, as we think about it, be it tomorrow and it was yesterday, it's, it's what we have to go through, book page by page by page until the end of your book. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't exist outside of our three-dimensional environment. It's uh, Time don't exist. So it 
it's kind of a, that's what an agent is all about, you know, because tomorrow's already happened, yesterday happened, and uh, we'll know, you can, I think you can transport yourself anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and once you get into that frame, because again, it's all energy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that time is just a construct of uh, our perception. It's a way of just organizing, the way the brain organizes. But I think time itself probably does not exist because, I mean, we don't even really know what time is. It's not like something we can measure. I mean, we can, we can, we can kind of gauge it with clocks and cycles of the moon and stuff. But it's not like something we can put on a scale and weigh. Time uh, is only for us. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, not the same anywhere else. Uh, you can go out into space, uh, like this has been established by the astronauts, uh, and come back, and time is different for you. I mean, it's it's like you. As I think I've mentioned this in my book. If, if you're gone for one year, traveling at the speed of 99% of the speed of light is in the cosmos. You come back to Earth and 227 years will have passed. Well, that's hard to get your head around. Mm -hmm. but that's that's the way space is. It's all about gravity and just so many rules and so many things we need to learn. Uh, I'm still learning. I have a saying that says, when you're green, you grow, and when you're ripe, you rot. So just stay green. <laughs> trying to learn, just trying to grow. Until you can't anymore. That's why I love these topics because they're just so full of of wonder and mystery and uh -huh. mystery uh -huh. and possibility. So easy to get wrapped up in ordinary life, going to work, making money, paying bills, and you forget this kind of stuff. And maybe like look up at the sky and look at the stars and think that, hey man, the stars I'm looking at, I'm looking at them like you know, a thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I'm seeing that today. Just seeing the light from them. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. we live in a frequency of light, and that's why it takes you two eyes to see. Without that, you, there's so many things you don't see that light frequency don't allow. We talked about cloaking earlier, you know. If they go out of your frequency, you won't see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like sound, you know, you don't hear ultrasound, you don't hear infrasound, but it's there. But we only hear within certain frequencies. And same with our olfactory sense, you know, sense of smell. You know, we only smell what we smell the way we're made. But a bear, they say, has 2,100 times the, the olfactory sense of a human. Wow. And I, I listened to a, a horseshoe worker up in Yosemite one time explaining, I don't leave food out. Bears are coming around. And the bears can smell right through a can. They set up different cans of things, <laughs> and, they, and they they thought the bear always got the peaches, you know. And uh, they thought, well, he likes peaches; he could read labels. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> no, he could smell through the can. He knew what he wanted, and uh, they can. Yeah, bears are amazing. They can't see with a flip. I've been real close to a bear downwind. You want to be downwind when you're close to there. Mm -hmm. Especially when they got a couple of cubs. This one I was close to had a couple of cubs with her. But I was downwind, thank goodness. And she never saw me. And the <laughs> two little cubs will, will mess around. One of them they were kind of close to me and all of a sudden he stood up and he seemed sniffing around. He couldn't he didn't know what he sniffed at because I was still I was being very still. Mm -hmm. And uh all of a sudden he just he got whiffed on me, he hopped down and shot back to her and all three of them ran off. 
Hmm. But I'll never forget that. That was that was a little moment, and I, I stood real still with with uh, different animals like that. And, but bear, especially there, a lot of bear up there where we go. Here, yeah. hmm. I you know I've only had one encounter with a bear, and I think that was in in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. I saw a bear, mm-hmm. but living in New Jersey, I never seen one. And now I live in Alabama, and they say they're around down here, but I haven't seen one yet. Mm-hmm. Well, just be downwind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, they'll they'll whip you. Uh, I mean, I don't know how this bear did it, but I, me and this other guy, was walking up there one time. We seen this bear uh, laying down over his patch of dirt, and all of a sudden. He got a whiff of us, he didn't see us, but he jumped up and just started running, running away. So we went over there, kept walking in towards our camp, and looked over there he was over this field, stand up on two hind legs, just sniffing, you know, trying to figure out where we were. Mm-hmm. He knew there was humans there somewhere, but he couldn't see us. We saw him plain as day. <laughs> <laughs> just amazing. Uh, I love nature. You know, so much about this planet we need to appreciate more. And, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It. It's all here for us, and uh, take care of it. I think that's when aliens might intervene too. Is when they we start to push our the red button on that atomic bomb again, or, or nuclear bomb, I should say. Mm. You know, that's when it had started to have a big influx of aliens, uh, like the Roswell and different ones that they claim were here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right after the uh, bomb. Yeah. And uh, they were afraid we were going to screw up the planet. They want this planet. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the people that I've interviewed that, that say they communicate with aliens say that if we, when we set off nuclear bombs, it creates some kind of dimensional tear. And it doesn't just mess things up for us, but it messes up the environment of these multidimensional beings as well. I've heard that. I don't know that, but I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, could be. And I imagine that's got something to do with why they would probably intervene if we get too serious about killing off most of the planet. Because uh, if we don't change our ways, that's what it's coming to. Mm-hmm. Like, like I used to wonder, like sometimes, like, well, are, are humans really worth saving? We're so warlike and destructive. But when I look at it in a way like, you know, everything's connected and we destroy ourselves. We're not just destroying ourselves. We're destroying a, a, a huge part of an ecosystem. Just like if we kill all the fish in the ocean, we're basically going to die. Well, we got a, a human title, yeah. Mm-hmm. A habit of screwing things up all the time, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they, we just do. And, uh, yeah, it messes the... You know, we're going to try to control the wolves. So you say, okay, let's kill three wolves this year. Everybody can kill three wolves. Well, we got to get rid of the wolves. They're killing off the sheep. Well, then all of a sudden, you got 100 million sheep running around with no wolves to kill. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad example. but yeah, It makes sense because yeah. everything's in bounds, and you throw that bounce off, it messes everything up. Exactly. Yeah, let, yeah. let nature balance itself, you know. And since there's so much that we don't understand and can't perceive, we don't know what kind of what we're throwing off and for who. Right. Well, 
lot of times it's for the rancher who, who uh, well, obviously he doesn't want his cattle killed by mountain lions, so they start hunting mountain lions, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do, but still, you, you understand because you don't want to lose his cattle either. Right. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a, well, I just make their own decision about that, I guess. Yeah, I'll just feed the lions. <laughs> So they leave your cattle alone. <laughs> it's kind of an easy solution, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. Interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? Well, Ron, ronmorehead.com. That's my website. M-O-R-E-H-E-A-D. Or BigFitSounds.com gets mm -hmm. there too. I have uh, two books. Uh, my first book was uh, Voices in the Wilderness. And it, it, uh, if you order that, it goes through Amazon. It uh, gives you a download uh, link for the sound. So when I get to the market, oh, it's my chronicle, by the way. Like, <laughs> me, 50 years doing this. And uh, it, uh, you get to the context of sounds, you can hear the sound, just download the sounds. And that link is in the book. Or cut the Quantum Bigfoot, which is my most recent book, and it's I've seen a lot of those people really get into it. Uh, good reviews on it. Uh, but you gotta open your mind. I mean people have to have an open mind and realize that we don't live in the bubble that we think we do. Yeah. And uh, I got the two CDs, uh, one narrated by Jonathan Craig, Star Trek The Next Generation. Got him to narrate that. It's Alberry's story, and it's about the beginning of it all how, how he sought out to try to get somebody to study these sounds. And each of these CDs, I got two, each of the CDs have uh, integrated sounds in them. So when you talk about the sound, you can hear the sound. Mm -hmm. And then the second CD, I narrate myself. I talk slower than I'm talking now. But uh, I I have the integrated sounds of the wood knocking, the whooping, the chattering back and forth when I start interacting with them. By the way, uh, that was a very significant night for me because I was in '74, uh, and that's the first time I got to see a glimpse of one. Uh, when he made the samurai cry, they call it up from behind me. He was going down below. We think we're two more down below, an adolescent and a mother. We got the little boys recorded too, the little boys and some big boys coming down. On like, don't get too close to these pandemic, you know. But my hope is that academia will will start opening up their box a little bit. They've been trained in a discipline that just won't let them, won't let them uh, get out of it. And, uh, it's not bad, but it's not everything. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think Max Pike, who the father of quantum science, says that science advances one funeral at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it, takes, it takes a science to die and a younger guy to come in with an open mind to start something up. You know? Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. what I hope. I think academia already knows some of this, you know, and, you know, some of it, you know, it gets dispersed through the media. Uh, I mean, it's the military and the government. They kind of. Well, I'm sure, you know, keep I, I, know these yeah, Gary, I know these scientists and, uh, they want to believe it, but they also got to stay within their discipline. Mm -hmm. you know, they they have to, or they'll lose credibility. They'll they'll lose possibly their tenure if they're not already tenured, because they will lose the funding for the next project. Uh, 
Dr. Krantz, who was a professor over here at the uh, Washington uh, University, and uh, he took a meeting for it. And I write about that in my book, a little paragraph that he he loses uh, stature, you know, in academia. The colleagues just don't respect you anymore when you take on a subject like this. You know, they're they're all they're intimidated by the government. And by the way, science is funded. A lot of science is funded by the government. And uh, if they find you, then you better give them the answer they want. <laughs> But there's nothing out there to stop people from being independent researchers themselves, too. It doesn't necessarily take a scientist anymore. That's what I am. <laughs> I think that is the best way to go. You don't have to worry about funding. You don't have I to worry don't. about an agenda. You don't have to worry about what people think of you. That's you, all right. You just report <laughs> the evidence that you find or, and collect and let people decide for themselves. Exactly. That's what I've done. You know, people don't have to believe what I'm saying here, but uh, most some people will, some people won't. But uh, you've got that choice to make, and I find that most uh, researchers, especially if they don't experience something unusual, they won't consider it. Uh, you take these guys out there hunting these bigfoot beings with a rifle, or <coughs> Hunters say, oh, I've been hunting in the woods all my life. I've never saw one. It looks they don't exist now. If they existed, <laughs> you'd find one. If they existed, you'd find the bones. Well, not necessarily. Mm. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. And it's just the closed-mindedness that some of them have is kind of a, a little bit concerning to me sometimes because they won't listen to, to what's really going on out here mm -hmm. and open up their minds. And, the one word I'd like to leave everybody with is keep an open mind because nothing would surprise me anymore uh, about this, the way things are going. Oh, me either. That That's what my podcast is all about. I mean, that's why I started this whole podcast is, you know, if, I, if somebody listens to this and realizes that uh, there's more than what they've been thinking, then I've succeeded. I've completed my mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. If I just touch one or two people out there, you know, with a thought and make them go look for themselves, then I encourage people to look for themselves because it's there if you just look. Mm -hmm. Find what you look for. That's that's what that's the truth right there. You find what you look for. So if you don't look for it, you're not gonna find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. That's one of the reasons why I tend to like you know, we thought we were talking. You mentioned like you know, your spirit. Everybody's a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I like though is is mysticism because mysticism is a direct experience. You know, you, you look and you find. Mm -hmm. You know, through meditation and whatever whatever suits your, you know, culture or whatever. And you find what you look for. Mm -hmm. I think Abraham Lincoln said that actually. <laughs> it was the church, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. At the subatomic, at the subatomic level, everything is energy vibrating at a different frequency. Find that frequency and change matter. Yeah. Oh, I put that together myself. If you can't die, mm -hmm. you're gonna want to change forms. So all life forms are growing big foot energy <laughs> and they vibrate. Yeah. 
Aliens are among us. Ah. <laughs> what are they doing? Some are good and some are bad. I think some, uh, some can, uh, well, some have good intentions, some don't. And it depends on what they've, uh, mm-hmm. what they've been uh, up to or what they're trying to do. Uh, I'm, I'm scheduled, uh, we'll talk about that minute. I'm going to, uh, well, I, I Kind of production we're going to last me here in a couple weeks but uh uh for well i can't really talk about that one but uh, <laughs> i'll be in uh, next month in uh, 15th i think it is i'm going to be in uh, in, uh michigan find the sagra i'm taking about 70 miles north of there to a convention up there and i'll be in tennessee uh i think it's june or july really you have to message me, message me for that one because I'm not too far from Tennessee. Well, Gatlinburg. Okay, so. yeah, I, I can. That's within driving distance of me. Okay, well, maybe I'll see you there. Me, yeah, I'd love to go meet you. Where do you live? What town? I'm in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the right by the Gulf Shores, so Gatlinburg is about six hour drive. So that's the big one. Uh, they said there's about 800 people supposed to be there. Hmm. In fact, my wife would probably even go there because she's always wanted to go to Gatlinburg. Well, there you are. So, you so I mean, she's, she's not really big on the Bigfoot thing, but she would go to Gatlinburg. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, Bigfoot's just a small picture of this whole big thing that I got from my PowerPoint program. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I visited that in two parts up in uh, uh, Michigan in March. March, no, March already happened, that in May. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's fun. It's all fun. It's all I do now. And, uh, it's, uh, it's That's great. Oh, well, you're, defi- you're definitely like a legend. Because like I say, I cannot interview anybody about Bigfoot without your name popping up. Well, you're definitely one of the most respected researchers and, and most knowledgeable people around. Well, thank you. I, uh, I put a lot of time and energy into this thing. And, uh, it, once it gets a hold of you, you can't help it. Mm-hmm. And you just, uh, yeah, like I said, I've been all over just researching and Said it was elongated skulls in Peru and Bolivia just to see if there was a, a red crow living up here to North America, and there is. Mm-hmm. They, they claim they warred war with the, the Aztec and the Mayans in Central America. Then you got the Mayans who warred with the uh, giants in North America, north right. of them. And they're leading right to the Lovelock Cage where the Pais said they warred with the cannibalistic giants. Mm-hmm. And that's in Lovelock, Nevada. And that's just right across from uh, where site is here in Sierras. Have you heard dog barking? Yeah. <laughs> my, my dog usually starts barking about an hour and a half in. <laughs> that's my daughter's dog. I told her I was going to be able to interview him. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, did you... Uh, there's a there's a 411 uh, the hunted uh, it's a David Pilates uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta watch that. I haven't had much time to watch anything, but well, I'm about fifteen minute section in that. Uh, Are you? I took him into the Sierra Camp, so they filmed it and interviewed me up there on our, our camp. And actually, I showed them what happened to me uh, in 2016 mm -hmm. in another person, and uh, it was a light bolt of light that just come floating by our tent. Because you get how do you explain that? I mean, what what was that? I don't know. Manipulated his way through about three foot long. I say it was very slow. We watched it for quite a while. It just went flung by our tent right through the trees. Now, keep in mind, we're 8,400 feet elevation. <clears throat> Nobody else around. I mean, just to get there is a trick. Mm -hmm. eight, eight miles into the wilderness, and uh, you got this stuff going on. Mm -hmm. We had lights. We had all kinds of crazy things happening. And the only laws that could account for that is energy. That's quantum yeah. Physics. <laughs> you know, I was just reading um, a book by Terry Lovelies, and it's called Devil's at the Devil's Den, and uh, he he has a picture in the book of like of that particular phenomenon. Like it's like this orange ball of light. <clears throat> it's just there. Mm -hmm. You know, this expedition because it's kind of popular now. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, well, they interviewed me a little bit for that uh, here. I was on this episode number nine because they. <clears throat> They uh, filmed something with a heat seeking, you know, the clear. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was, mm -hmm. and there was three balls above it, and they couldn't explain it. And that's when they got into the paranormal, and that's when they come and interviewed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little, little solid of that, maybe a better. I saw that one. I watched Did the you? whole, yeah, I watched all of I just saw it. I just saw it for the first time here a couple nights ago. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's fun. I, I enjoy doing this stuff. Me too. That's great. I'm glad you're out there doing this. Well, while I still can, you know, none of us are getting younger. <clears throat> I was 29 when this stuff started with me. And uh, I'll be 79 this 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 year in June. Hmm. Well, you don't sound a day over 50. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's the sound you get. <laughs> It's just, you know, getting old is uh, it's something we're supposed to enjoy. Uh, so there, that's all I'm thinking that. We're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> but I am getting around still, so it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the nice thing about getting old, though, I think, is, like, for me anyway, I don't take myself as seriously anymore. And... Um, I'm not afraid to fail because, or even take a risk as much because the consequences won't be for as long. So when I was a kid, I was like, oh, if I make this bad decision, it's going to ruin my whole life. Now if I make a bad decision, it's only going to ruin like maybe half my life. <laughs> <laughs> what are you my age? <laughs> <laughs> you can really do what you want. You don't even have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, your memory or us. I got a great memory just as long as it used to be. <laughs> Forgot where I put it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was fun talking to you, Gary. You too, Ron. You're you're fantastic. I love having you on. Thank you. Um, just hang on one second. Oh, um, 
I'm going to post the links to your websites and your CDs and your books in the notes to this episode uh, so my listeners can check them out while they're listening. And uh, thanks for being on. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, RonMoorhead.com or BigFootSounds.com. Uh, both my books are on Amazon, so they're also available that way. But you get through through my website. That's right. Yep. And all that will be in the notes of this episode as well. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you. Just hang on one second, and I just have to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.